Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the DustorProds.com anime and manga podcast. As always, I'm dead. Which day we have Birdie. Been a while. Yeah. I tried to sh- I tried some shit to clear my ears earlier, and now my ears are getting weird. Like, like level differences are weird in my ears. Probably some remnants of whatever fluid or substance you use to clean it out. Yeah. Makes your auditory nerves too sensitive. That's going to be annoying. Anyway, yes, we're here to talk about anime stuff. Yes. And, and manga stuff and what have you. Yeah. So you got anything interesting to start off with, Bernie? Yeah, well, here's the thing. Um... I wanted to talk about Full Metal Panic Invisible Victory tonight, but because it has been literally 13 years since that series had any kind of release in Japan, and most people don't know the story at this point, and the new one jumps in with literally no fucks given for anyone who's not kept up in the previous 13 years, I kind of would have to do a whole series-long retrospective, which I want to do, but I have too much other shit to talk about tonight, so I'll have to put that off for next time. <laughs> so if anyone actually cares about Metal Panic, you can read my impressions from the first episode on the site. Yep. It is up there. If I remember correctly, you enjoyed it. Yes, I did. Alrighty. Robot stuff still bothers me a little, but not as much as some other shit I've seen. Okay, so... Long fucking list. Let's okay. Let's get the dumb stuff out of the the dumbest stuff out of the way first. So let's talk about Helvetica. Okay, then I I believe I've heard of this. It's dumb. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It is classified as a supernatural seinen action drama series. I'm just going to read the description of the first few episodes just to give you a sense of the fuck we're dealing with here. Okay. Mayazumi Asahi is a university student in economics who lives alone and from time to time cooks for his two buddies. He is also a taku for a magical girls show called Magical Girl from Another World and collects figurines, posters, and other merchandise of it. The show has a twist that reveals that the attackers from another world are actually a thousand years of the past, which makes him consider the show a masterpiece. One day, a girl with a black cat on her shoulder breaks into his apartment and attacks him with a stun gun while he's doing the dishes. He accidentally cuts himself on a knife in the process. After that ordeal, he goes to work at his shop for anime-related goods. In the process of going after a female customer who'd forgotten something, forgotten her wallet, he saves her from harassment, but gets beaten up by the harasser for his troubles. Luckily, he suddenly summons a flaming car that runs the attacker over. He understandably gets taken in by the police custody afterwards, who decide to drug and kidnap him to a remote location. After getting questioned by masked figures in black uniforms, they decide that he is a witch and he must be burned alive. What? That description covers the first two chapters. (laughs) What? (laughs) Oh my god, this sounds amazing and terrible. I wish it was, it's hard to tell at this point, um, the style of this, like, the only overarching plot thread up to this point, other than your typical witches versus witch hunters storyline is, <gasps> a witch with a dick! Oh my guard! Like, as far as I can tell, that seems to be the one overarching thing that connects him with the other witches in this little coven he ends up in for his own safety. They're just like, but, but you have a dick! 
It's like, I, I don't, am I a witch? I mean, I can burn shit. Can't really control it, but I can burn shit. That Wouldn't that be more a of a witch, warlock but, then? But, but you have a dick. Or a wizard. Yeah. Whatever. And uh, the, the witch hunters are your typical set of draconian uh, Spanish Inquisition type psychos. They just have to work for the Japanese police force is all. Um, the art's fine. Uh, it's not It's not as grisly as some other shit that's come out recently. It's just a lot of people being burnt alive or stabbed or uh, tortured with needles. Sounds fun. It's just that the story is incomprehensibly weird. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. So when you say he summons a flaming car, do you mean like he just like pulls a car over and sets it on fire or like manifests a car that is already on fire? Uh, from the, I, I don't know where the car came from, but from the way it played out in the panel, he saves a girl who's being harassed. He starts getting the shit beat out of him. And then when the guy backs up a step to pull out a knife, a f- car that is on fire crashes through a window with him in front of it. Okay. I don't know where the car came from, but it jumped the grate and went straight through uh, plated st- through uh, plain glass. Stuff was on fire. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And also, when he's rescued from the witch hunter police, there's a corpse there, but we don't know. Who- I couldn't tell from the way the story plays out whose it was. The other witches appear to blame him for this corpse. It was too burnt, badly burned for me to tell who it was, and I have no idea who the character was. So they're just like, yeah, you know, fuck you for the burning. Okay, then. Yeah, it's... <laughs> I, and also, they keep coming back to the fact that he watches the show even after he becomes an actual witch dealing with actual witches and, witch, and evil witch hunters. So I, maybe this is just going to be like a Devil Man Crybaby style, this has nothing to do with anything plot point, or maybe they're going to do something really dumb like this anime is based on real events or something. I can't tell at this point. Or who knows, they might just take like a really hard turn and then he starts like trying to do poses and shit from that show and just see if that gets his magic working. Just turns into a comedy all of a sudden. Yeah, sure, I don't know. Because from what I've read, it is canceled. The manga? Yeah. Okay. I don't... The last chapter update was months ago, so that doesn't surprise me, but I wasn't certain. Yeah, but I think there's still some chapters left, because I think it was four volumes and 12 chapters have been released, I think. I've read 12 chapters, yes. Yeah, so for all we know, it could be a guy... Like At the end of it, the guy just could be like, fuck, fuck, I need to get fucking popular. Shit. I don't know, some Sailor Moon shit, I don't know, fuck it. Please, I need this job. I mean, that's not that wouldn't be the worst um, cut off to a story. I, like, have you ever watched something called Toko? T O K K O. Uh, I have not. Okay, uh, it's a super Blade esque early two thousands anime where everyone's tr- there's all these demons hunting people, but the demons manifest through pieces of a puzzle box 
and everyone and certain humans have pieces of this puzzle block embedded inside them so that they can use demon powers themselves. So it's Yu-Gi-Oh. Then, no, they don't play card games. They just stab each other. Oh, so more direct Yu-Gi-Oh. I suppose. <laughs> yeah, no bullshit. I'm gonna send your soul to the Shadow Realm. Just don't get stabbed. Yeah. But the, it literally ends with uh, the main character having beheaded his his uh, love interest to get her piece of the puzzle when she starts going crazy. And then the bad guy who we saw get chopped in half before is suddenly the size of a whole city and threatening everyone. And then it's just the end. Or is it? <laughs> oh, God. Uh, yeah, that I, you gotta feel kind of sorry for people like that. Just they spend all their even time, as a, even as a particularly as a thirteen-year-old watching this, fresh off of stuff like Blade. I was like, "Fuck you!" Yeah, God, that has got to be it's got to be the worst fucking feeling. Just you put your heart and soul into this thing, you finally get serialized, and it just doesn't catch on, and you fucking burn out before you even finish your first story arc. Yep. You just got to speed everything up, and then all of a sudden, you're fucking years later, like 700 chapter later fucking end battle just gets brought up to chapter seven. Has that ever worked? Has like done, has doing one of those big fucking, whoa, shit, fucking things got real. Has that ever actually saved anything? Not that I know of. I mean... The original uh, Full Metal Panic, the second raid, the last series before the 13-year-long hiatus ended on a it's-not-over note. But, again, 13 years with nothing. <laughs> yeah, but wasn't that series, like, relatively popular? Yeah. I'm talking about something that wasn't. It was like, it had, uh, like, a small cult following, or, like, you know, a couple people were into um, it. Um... But it just wasn't catching on like the mainstream. I don't, so I don't know. I, I, have, I have a hard time predicting cult stuff. So because it, speaking of which, there's something that seems to be pretty popular right now that I'd ask if you've seen or read. But I'll get to that once you're done talking about this. I don't know what to say about this thing. It's just fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's seinen, so I mean, it's more adult content than a sh- the shonen take on this material. But that doesn't necessarily. But it still much. sounds about as juvenile. Yeah, the story's equally juvenile. It's just, seinen just means, oh, we're allowed to say fuck and have titties and stuff. Yeah, it's one of the worries going into seinen stuff. Like, sometimes you actually get, like, a more mature story. But a lot of times it's just, hey, it's a shonen thing, but yo, this dude's got a boner. Yeah. But if we want to talk about an actual seinen thing that legitimately freaked me out, have you read Kasane? Kasame. I Kasane. Oh, Kasane. Um, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't know what this is a fucking weird horror supernatural story. Um so it's it's in the grand old tradition of Oh, wait. I re- I read the first chapter of this. Yeah, this is fucking weird, isn't it? Yeah, like it's Lipstick lets you steal somebody's face? Okay, let me... Yeah, so, um... The main character is... 
is a it, it, when she starts out, she's in fifth grade, is super young, uh, but she is the daughter of a famous actress, and for some reason that she's never that she didn't understand until fairly until the story starts. Her mother always said, if things are ever looking truly bad for you, then use the makeup I keep in my uh, boudoir and things will get better for you. She never understood what that meant, but, you know, she being ugly is the victim of constant bullying, even in fifth grade. Because yeah, like, even kids can be psycho in Japan. <laughs> yeah, but like it's not just ugly. It is like... Yeah, we, I we, know. We never it's actually like fro- see literal her... frog face. Yeah, I... <laughs> From what I remember, it, like her face was like kept in shadow for the majority of the of the, the story that I read. Yeah, and we never got a full on look at it, but it was described like I saw. I read. I saw. I got a better look in one of the later chapters. She looks literally like a lizard person. Okay, like the face distended and stretched out in weird angles. Her nose looks like it's broken. Her eyes are. Slanted but not thin, just flat and wide. Ugh. Yeah. And apparent and from what I read of I looked at a couple later chapters to see if they explained the story, which they do. And her mother was apparently the same, but um the face that she used as an actress came off of the face of a struggling actress who died after committing suicide, and the mother took her face. So like to just keep a body around and just keep kissing it? Apparently, uh, you can you can keep the face, the last face you stole, permanently, even if the victim dies, as long as you don't remove the make the lipstick. Because that's what happens to the first time that the do- that the daughter uses the lipstick. She uses it to get back at the bitchy bully who was threatening to like cut her throat with a pair of scissors. You know, uh, Japan. Yeah, and the girl obviously wanted her face back but uh still being a bitch kept threatening to violate and hurt the girl so she they went up to went up to the roof to fight it out to sort of argue it out and eventually the the bullied girl was trying to be was trying to come around and saying okay maybe you're not just a total person but then she came at her with a pair of scissors and they fought and the bully accidentally fell off the fifth story building. Whoopter doodle. Yeah. And her and the girl still had the face that she had stolen until she removed the makeup the next day. Okay. Yeah, th- this is fucking weird. <laughs> so that act so that woman spent That woman spent like fucking decades never removing her makeup? Apparently or she only did it at home, and she first thing she did in the morning is put the lipstick back on. <laughs> I okay. guess her daughter must have never seen her fa- her her unmade up face either, because her her vision of her mother was always the beautiful thing, not what apparently, according to the plot, she actually looked like when she, of course, came from a a remote Japanese village with weird, creepy old customs. Yeah, Japanese Innsmouth. It's okay. I mean, when I read this, I thought this is this seems more like something Dead Man would like than me. So, I, based on what you read, would you read more of this or? Uh, not really. Okay. Like, I, I read a couple chapters of it, like I said, and I just kind of gave up on it. Like I, it didn't seem like it would go far enough for me. 
in what sense? Like when when I go when I go into these like quote unquote sane and fucked up story things with like weird shit, I need either like A and in, like intriguing fucking protagonist to keep me going, or B just like the most heinous shit. And I did not particularly like this protagonist. She just seemed like like yeah, she was yeah, she was like, you know, empath she I was able to empathize with her like, oh, you're fucking ugly, so we got beaten up, whatever. But it seemed like that was kind of it. Just oh, I oh, I had this face. Oh, I had this horrible fucked up frog face. So fuck people. I'm a I'm gonna just go do whatevs. And the rest of the world was too shitty for a character of that level for me to actually really get invested in it. But then going forward, it didn't seem like it would go in the fucking insane horrible directions that things I read usually go in. Okay, yeah. I will like, for me to keep reading this, I would need that fucking five-year-old to be, like, fucking skinning people's faces and then wearing them around the house. Not, okay. Not, not just like, oh, I'm going to kiss you, and then whoop, I'm going to your face, later, bitch. <laughs> okay, yeah, I mean, I just... The weird thing when I was reading this is that, on the one hand, I didn't particularly enjoy reading it, but the weirdness of the concept was compelling enough that I wanted to read a few more chapters beyond what I initially read. I guess it's just the the concept is so weird. I was able to get past how kind of lame the supernatural horror t- storytelling was. At least, oh no, like it, it's a decent it's a decent premise and could serve as like a really good like base for a psychological horror series. But it just needs to be better written. Yeah, like cause, yeah, because the particularly with this with this kind of horror series, you need really strong characterization and. This main character doesn't have much characterization beyond I'm ugly and I have a complex about it. Exactly. All right, fair enough. But I just... It it was distinctly weird enough that I wanted to bring it up. Yeah, that's fair. All right. So I'll go on the... Continue on the horror train for a little while. Um, High Rise Invasion. Ah, yes, I've read a bunch of this. I don't know what to make of this thing. It is so weird, right? Because the whole premise is rooftops. The, Basically. The, yeah, just, that, that's it. Yeah, just The character some people, wakes up on a rooftop. You yeah. can move from rooftop to rooftop and can kind of hang out in the first couple of levels below the rooftop in each building. And... There are, like, some bridges across between certain buildings, but then there's a whole bunch of people with creepy masks on that allow them to be mind-controlled by some outside entity. Yeah, they're smiley masks. Yeah. And some of these smiley masks seem to get, seem to give some people superhuman power, since some smiley masks just seem to give you, like, the basic, like, mind control. Others seem to give you the ability to, like, shrug off bullets or being stabbed. Yeah, you well, know, there are different kinds of masks. Like there are, there are the smiley face masks, which are kind of the basic slasher mask. You put that on, you are given a weapon and kind of a motif, and you just kind of go. Anybody who shows up, you have this this impulse in your head to either drive them off the rooftop or kill them. Just give them horrible despair to the point that they die. Yes. Uh, there are like the frowny face masks that I think are people who work for like the people in charge of the game. There are just like these neutral mask faces that are 
just like NPCs. They kind of show up, give you supplies, let you survive, and then go on. Because the people organizing this thing, they want they want these people to kill themselves. They don't want them to die of starvation. Yeah, they want them to either uh, commit suicide or die violently. They and and of course, this being a, a battle royale style, everybody dies thing. They keep giving you hopes of getting out of it that are mainly just dick moves. Like, oh, hey, hey, this helicopter, you can escape with this helicopter. Put one of the people who's immune to bullets at the base of it. Yeah. And then the other kind of big mask is I think it's a like a nothing mask. It just has eye holes. You yeah, put- maybe kind of like a... Have you, um, so another uh, Korean webcomic I've been reading a lot of is this series called uh, The Gamer. And in it, they're currently the main character is currently fighting a cult called the Church of Masks, and they all wear like these rounded face covering masks that have no mouth holes, no distinguishing features on it of any kind other than two black eye holes. Yeah, it's a similar kind of thing to that. You put that on, and then you get basically a buff. Like you're able to move, you're able to move around faster, you're able to do more cool shit, like somebody wearing the mask, but you have complete free will and. If you're good enough, you can control people wearing the masks. Yeah. But, okay, and tell me, does the progression of the plot in this series feel weird to you? A little bit. Because, okay, so I've only read about 50, 60 chapters of this thing. I know there's a whole lot more than that out there, but... um, There's this weird pattern I kept noticing to where our main character encounters a situation, struggles with the situation, gets over it, and then kind of moves on to the next situation. And that pattern kind of repeats. And with one or two minor exceptions, there doesn't seem to be much building on each situation. It's just like a series of disconnected threats that have to be dealt with. As the series progresses, they, and they actually start like introducing antagonists and like long running characters it starts to get away from that a bit, but there is still that problem of like things don't really build so much as just every once in a while a new thing is dropped on that makes things more intense. Yeah. And while it, I applaud the creativity, okay, let me just clarify. The, so the sniper with the mask on is, her bro, is the main character's brother, right? Nope. Really? Okay. Yep. That's odd. Her brother is a separate character who survives as long as he does because he learned one sword fighting move that he uses with a sledgehammer. Okay. That's odd. Yep. And then he gets turned into a child. And I mean mentally. Like, somebody goes in and, like, once, okay. the, once the main bag gets him, he, like, lobotomizes him so that he's just a blithering idiot. Okay. The sniper is one of the brother's buddies. Okay. Because apparently her brother is friends with assassins. Sure, it's Japan. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you don't know at least one assassin, what are you doing? Yeah. I mean, uh, main character from uh, Persona 5 knows a mad scientist, so. Yeah, fair. <laughs> well, actually, it's not entirely fair. The mad scientist happened to live down the street. This seemed to be they were bros for a while and this high schooler and this 35-year-old man were like, yo, we're bros. 
to the point where their relationship is actually affecting his connection to the mask. Like he eventually becomes so, yeah. one of the uh, he eventually becomes the uh, main characters, like one of her main allies. Yeah, I kind of figured that from the cover. So, yeah, the connection with the brother is so strong. It interrupts the connection from the mask that is just telling him, yo, get that bitch to jump off the fucking roof. And yeah, that's the other thing. I don't, you've read more of this, so you would be able to tell me if this is true or not. The, a lot of the overarching uh, plot points start to feel like they don't make sense when you mix them together. And I don't know if that continues to be true, but the, the structure of one situation done, then another situation done. While some elements are consistent across, some of them feel a little random. Okay, how so? Like, um... So... Uh... Is there a limit to how much of the mask has to be on the face to maintain complete mental control? Because there seems to be, like... So when she fights the girl at the base of the helicopter is immune to bullets. The part of the mask gets cracked and the girl regains enough control to tell her everything, a lot about how everything works before, uh, being forced to commit suicide. But then you also have, like you said, the weird situation where the brain, so what, so is this like direct control or just like a series of signals sent out from a remote control center? Uh, there is no remote control. It's like a scripted commands. Like the way the way to describe it is when you put on the mask, you have kind of like two things pushed into your brain that are like overriding any other like thought or instinct. They are get people to kill themselves, and if shit gets fucked up, kill yourself. That's basically it. If you try to do like anything other than that, the mask kind of just like your brain won't let you. Okay. Yeah, there's weird like computer code script on the inside of the mask that gives you like this uncontrollable urge to put it on. And once you put it on, then it is just. Yeah. I saw that part from one of the earlier chapters. Yeah. I didn't get far enough to actually for them to explain who did this, why, what's happening, how they end up in a universe of just high rises. Yeah. I got as far as they were like part way into the, like main plot where whoever wins this game becomes God. And of course. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the thing. It's either, oh, you're part of a time travel experiment or you become God. <sighs> I want more Eden's game. <laughs> yeah, I don't particularly, I, I don't hate or... I don't, it, it, I'm kind of in the middle on this. It's it's better than I kind of thought from the initial premise, but a lot I, the structure of the of the storytelling kind of bothers me, and just that the writer refuses to build an actual story and would rather just kind of uh, what's the term uh, forcibly connect a series of disconnected events and call it a story. Like I said, with later chapters, he got a bit better at it, but I did stop reading for a reason. Yeah. 
Anyway, anything else? Uh, yeah, quite a few things. Let's Alrighty. Um, I get. I don't have much to say about this one, so I'll just get it out of the way fast. Illegal rare. Uh, so this is another one of those universes where it's a big New York style urban fantasy series where large number or um, large numbers of supernatural beings exist, but because throughout most of human history, supernatural beings are considered threatening or prized for what they can provide. Uh, they've been hunted to near extinction. Um, in this modern setting, a small division of this city's police force has been devoted to the protection of uh, rare supernatural species. The boss of this organization uh Wears a mask that kind of... How do I describe it? Um, it's like if Oogie Boogie from um, Nightmare Before Christmas wore the drama mask. <laughs> okay. Like, it's a, it's a stitched face that's currently constantly set in a frown with the X's for, like, eyes. But his hair still shows through. Yeah, that's anime as fuck. Yeah. Well, to to make it more anime as fuck, the other protagonist, the guy who does most of the grunt work on the ground, <laughs> is the um, teenage goth-dressing king of black vampires. And by black, I don't mean African-American. I mean users of black magic. Oh, so the series is edgy. Okay. Yes. Or claims to be. It's edgy. It's an it's an edgy anime. <laughs> yeah. So most of what's been going manga, on in the story I guess. so far. Yeah, it's a manga. I don't think it's going to be. It, I don't see this being an anime. <laughs> <laughs> it could be. I've been wrong before, but I don't. It's this if doesn't the internet really had its way. Yeah. Um, the other members of this group are a siren and a werewolf. Sure. Naturally. And they mostly end up fighting crazed psychos who want various uh, rare species for different purposes. Like there's a mad, there's a mad scientist who looks like he works for Umbrella who collects various items from various um, rare species for poisons, medicines, drugs, what have you. Uh, there's a, of course, a the. There's the werewolf hunter who hires the entire police force to collect a bounty on the one remaining werewolf. Uh, there's an organization of hunters who collect and sell black market goods who are after the one remaining black vampire. That's our main character. Wait, did you just say that somebody tried to hire the cops? Did hire the cops. Hmm. Yes, it's stupid. <laughs> yeah, it's cops. Just like, had it been established that the cops are like a private private organization now and not public? No. So they're still cops? Yep. Has it been established that they're all just incredibly corrupt? Yes. Okay, then. That's where it was. That makes a bit more sense. Yeah, sorry. I just should have made that clear. Uh, cop salary does not cover $50 million. Yeah, this is some Rhinopore shit. 
Yeah, just about. I mean, there are some cops that are good cops, but it's mostly corrupt assholes. Yeah, probably like one or two in Ranaper too, but then they get killed and two more show up. Yeah. So anyway, this is just really generic. <laughs> Man, Black Lagoon's good. Yes, it is. We've been getting more chapters recently, which I'm fucking excited about. Yeah, well, I, the, I don't know if you read the most recent chapter where Etta clubs a sniper off the roof of a building while singing Wild Thing by the Trogs. Yeah, yeah, I did see that. <laughs> I did see that. <laughs> that was great. Ah. <laughs> uh. Really looking forward to see what they do with female Chinese uh, rock. Yeah, because it looks like this current arc's wrapping up finally. So hopefully they don't sit. Hopefully they don't uh, shove her off to some other country to occasionally call rock for a booty call or something. Yeah, she's on the fuck boat with Benny's boy with Benny's girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. Just she shows she shows up once every twenty seven chapters. Yeah. To, and to be fair, if they did, I, although I don't see them hooking up, except an occasional sex type thing. If they hooked up, they would still be a better couple than Benny and the hacker chick. <laughs> That's because the hacker chick is just the worst. Yeah, everyone hates her, which is why still one of my most favorite moments from this current story arc of Black Lagoon was when. Revy's response to her saying that she wanted to fuck Rock was, Look, if you're that hard up for sex, I will prison fuck you to leave people alone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love that relationship. How fucking broken it is. Revy's great. Yeah. So yeah, I've right, if it if the fact that we started talking about Black Lagoon as we started to finish instead of finishing talking about what I actually read yeah, this is not worth anyone's time. Yeah, no. <laughs> Moving right, on. So, let's see. Any more manga I need to talk about? Da, 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 da. Nope, nope. Just anime from now on. So, okay. Um, first, Agretsuka. Have you watched this? It's on Netflix. I have not. Okay. Um... This is an anime from the people who make the Hello Kitty toys. Right. This. I saw I saw a clip for this and was like, and I've been meaning to check it out. It's really good. <laughs> yeah, that's what I've heard. Because the, okay, the premise of this is that the main character, Retsuko, is a office worker in a Japanese office building with... You know, typically really bad uh, office politics, sexism, work being forced upon her by superiors, constant mistreatment by management. So the way she chooses to deal with this shit on a regular basis is that she keeps a unplugged mic microphone in her purse so that she can occasionally go into the bathroom and just do a quick two or three minute death metal song. Yeah. She's also a red panda. Yeah, so that the, the Retsuko is apparently a Japanese word for red panda. Um, yeah, just this adorable little thing, just spending all our time doing whatever, yeah. and then just goes into like a bathroom or a karaoke bar. Yeah, where she says stuff like "joke on my rage." <laughs> <laughs> it's like a cuter version of Detroit Metal City. 
Yeah, or well, in Detroit Metal City, the main character was good at being uh, a metalhead, but uh, a death metalhead, but it was not his intent to end up in it. Yeah. Retsuko does it because she wants to, <laughs> <laughs> because she's like, I have to survive my life. This sucks. <laughs> and so far, at least, all the humor for it has just been really, really funny. Like, um, these two high. Here's a sentence that you've brought. So this is a similar situation. This is like a a Zootopia situation where all the characters are animals. Yeah. Um, two of the high powered um, uh, upper management women at Retzko's company are a gorilla and it's some kind of Japanese water bird called a washimi. Okay. Yeah. So and this and you were first introduced to them these two characters doing the power walk, which involves seeing a gorilla in a, uh, a pink office dress, pearls and heels. And then after the, the, the pair of them walk around the corner away from any viewing eyes, the gorilla hunches over and hits her back and then says, girl, can we please stop doing this? This power walk's really bad on my back. (laughs) Yeah, but uh, her more, uh, but Retsuko's more immediate um, co-workers and boss are Mr. Tun, the giant, racist, sexist, old school asshole boss who was a pig. Yeah, of course. Um, his immediate undersecretary who kind of runs all the other members of her accounting office who is a weasel. Yeah, okay, literally that, yeah. and metaphorically. Um, yeah, I, I'm getting this. I'm getting the sense this series is kind of very much on the nose with what with what it casts as individual characters. Yes, although the one um, kind of interesting uh, diversion um, is that her main love interest is a hyena. Huh. Yeah. Is he like a comedian or something? Hmm. Is he like a comedian or something? I don't know. No, no, he's he works as he works as an accountant in her office. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, he's he's just a hyena who's into punk rock. Just <laughs> <laughs> as matter of factly as you could put it. Yeah. Okay, so who else have I not mentioned? Um there's Sunoko, the deer who is every airhead in every series ever. If, if you know what I mean. Yep. I like, oh no, Retsuko, why are you wearing Crocs to work? You know those on your office shoes, don't you? Oh no. <laughs> and then you have um, her other worker in the office. There's two other workers in her office. One is a 40-something mom who's a hippo who, whenever she leaves the office, she she acts like she's doing the train thing, where she's, like, ro- rolling her arms like a, in a rotation and going, ta 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 I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> Okay, who am I missing? Um, 
the office secretary is a snake. Cause sure. <laughs> yeah, naturally. Yeah. Uh, and then there's uh, Finico, who looks like she's a she's not a fox. She's some kind of other, uh, maybe a meerkat. It's hard to tell from the design. Uh, based on the name of Fennec Fox. Miss- okay. Yeah. So that would make sense why they like who's obsessed. Who is obsessed with social media and talks like Raven from the old Teen Titans co- cartoon. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah, except that she says things like, you know, I think she's too obsessed with her uh, uh, social media page. She posts a picture of a dessert, a picture of a drink, and then her smiling. She does this 500 times a day, three, three times a month. And then she acts like she never see, says, sees her own social media page. But I know this to not be true. Ha 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 packing a whole bunch of comedy into your uh into limited time each episode is only 14 minutes yeah it's impressive yeah and because like i said considering i guess it because given the fact that this is from the people who make the hello kitty merchandise they have money to spare but uh (laughs) the thing that i want you i want you to to watch this and give me your opinion dead man because the thing that amazes me is that all of these characters are the stereotypes I just mentioned, but then they give them depth. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Like the the sexist chauvinist pig boss uh, actually helps Retsuko realize that she's in a uh, unhealthy uh, go-nowhere relationship with a, a guy she thinks she really likes until he, this guy points out that you know, you two have nothing in common. Okay, then. Yeah, and by the character, I mean, I'm not talking about Haida. That relationship doesn't even get essentially will-they-won't-they'd until the very end. Because Haida's... Well, he's basically one of us. <laughs> you know, it's like... Like, knows how to interact with women, doesn't know how to ask them out. You know, that kind of person. Yeah. A very good, A very nice person, but, you know doesn't know how to work that dating angle. So uh, he keeps he keeps asking Finico to run interference so Retz goes out on a dating mixer with people. <laughs> and also um uh Sunoda the uh the super uh ditzy uh airhead one, she confides to uh Retzko at one point that the reason she acts so airheaded and constantly butters up their sexist asshole boss is that she thinks it makes uh, the workday the workday experience on a regular basis much easier for herself and other female workers in her department. Okay. So yeah, cartoon animals, jokey premise, stereotypical characters surprising amount of depth about how to deal with people in the in a, in a workplace environment. Yeah, it sounds pretty great. Yeah, you should definitely watch this. Assu- assuming Canadian Netflix has not fucked you that much. I don't th- think they have. I really hope not. Let me check. Yeah. 
Like usually with anime stuff like this, it's usually pretty one to one. Okay, good. Oh, we actually uh, kind of funny. We I just went to Kenny Netflix, and the first thing that pops up is a trailer for the live action Mob Psycho One Hundred. Yeah, I don't know what to make of that. It's a bad idea. Yeah, it seems like a really bad idea. So it's, it's a terrible idea. Joke, it's one of the worst the, ideas. It, the joke of the original series was poking fun at one's terrible art style. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but now just, what? hey, we got this fucker in a haircut that looks almost nothing like the other one. The fucking the body improvement club is nothing. I cannot see that one dude's hair becoming the weird fucking pine cone it does. Yeah, I, I don't know why Japan feels the need to do this with every popular anime these days, but they do. All right, good news. We have a Gretzko. Yeah, and that's the only... I, don't, I, I hope the pun name for the title doesn't bother you. No, actually, the pun name is fine for me. Yeah, because, you know, aggressive... Aggression Gretzko. Gretzko. Yeah. It bothers yeah, some people. It doesn't bother me. I thought it was charming, particularly given the main character. Yeah. <sighs> I was find it charming how whenever she goes in like her full on death metal mode, she gets like fucking death metal makeup and like this weird like Japanese character in the center yeah. of her forehead. Yeah. Also in the dub, um, when she switches to the death metal voice, she's voiced by a dude. <laughs> nice. So she's like, yeah, it sounds pretty oh, great. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Choke on my rage. <laughs> <laughs> I know it probably yeah. doesn't, but I'd, I'd like to. I'd like to imagine that every single one of her songs starts with "Choke on my rage." <laughs> I think, based on the episodes I've seen, that's not true. But she does say "Choke on my rage" a lot. Especially <laughs> just the death metal so, version yeah, of, uh, of DJ Khaled screaming his own name. But yeah, uh, 10 episodes, 15 minutes a piece. It's not that big a time commitment. And I was shocked how good this is. <laughs> uh, I showed this to Caveman. And his reaction to the first episode was, I don't know what this is, but I want more of it. Awesome. All right. So more anime new, more anime to get through. More recent stuff. Uh, da, 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 da. Yeah. Uh get the annoying one out of the way. Blame. Which is appropriate because since we're talking about Netflix, I blame them. Okay, so... <sighs> Do you I, know what this is? I read some of the manga. Yeah, because... And this is why I watched the anim- the movie because the, an- the manga is done by Tsutomu Nihei who also did another anime that was made into a full CG series by the same studio and produced on Netflix. Uh, yeah. Knights of Sidonia. A fucking Polygon Pictures? Goddamn, seriously? Yeah. These fuckers? Yeah, you see why I said blame? Ugh. Just. Ugh. And considering the thing that I like most about both Knights of Sidonia and Blame the Manga is that there's a whole bunch of um, really disturbingly detailed 
uh, half man, half bot human '80s body horror. Yeah, CG ruins that. Yeah, hard. Yeah, particularly when you have this kind of concept of like a giant mechanical world that no one remembers how it was created, and that humans who are not either mutated or merged with some kind of machinery are next to non-existent. And you have all these weird, like, psychic machine monstrosities or people that are remnants of humans, literally or metaphorically. You have, like, broken down, depressing psychological tales or fights with things that can just, like, pull a blade out of the air and cut your arm off from 100 meters away. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they turn this into a... 90 minute CG action movie. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, from what I read, the action in this, like, I've only read a couple chapters of it, uh, just. Art style weirded me out a bit, and with the just. It seemed like it was a bit dense for what I. from when I tried to read it. It is very dense. There's a lot of shit going on. Uh, it does a lot of world building before. I, I'm not sure how long it actually takes to get to the plot portion, but it takes a while. And you have characters that can be relatable, but don't necessarily act all that likable because, you know, harsh apocalyptic survival scenario. But the sheer degree of dickery on display on a regular basis gets a little annoying after a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just looking at it from a from like an action point of view, all of the action mainly seems to be a big fucked up creature. This comes around, starts slapping around, and then the dude pulls out his gun and it explodes. Yeah, because his gun is a gravity gun. <laughs> yeah, it's just this, just this fucking giant one of a kind graviton beam emitter is what they call it. Yeah, so that doesn't seem like the kind of thing that really lends itself to. Big-ass action shit. Well, I mean, it, it lends itself to the same big-ass action shit over and over again, which is he blows shit up good. And sometimes he doesn't blow shit up good, but it's too powerful. But he mostly blows shit up good. Yeah, but like, so you are coming gets, from, right? Like, as in, Yeah, no, certainly. Yeah, as an action series, this does not have exactly the legs to carry it. Yeah, well, for one thing, based on the first two volumes or so of the manga, it doesn't have a structured story enough to carry a single 90-minute action movie. It's so this is this just seems like a bad idea all around. Well, it is beyond Polygon the Pictures. Fact that they, yeah, that beyond the fact that they handed it to Polygon Pictures to make it, which, god damn it, I want a Tsutomu Nihei series that's not made by Polygon Pictures, because particularly Knights of Sidonia, the, anime, the, the evil alien designs in that are so fucking creepy. And a lot of it's lost in the CG. Like, there's this one time where they literally call it a giant alien placenta monster. Clones one of their comrades who died. And then it serves as, like, a psychic link between the the alien and the people on the ship that are trying to run from it. And that imagery is just creepy as hell. But... (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm looking up images, trying to trying to see the alien stuff, and got some like decent, creepy imagery of like weird Lovecraftian esque creatures descending on cities, and like people 
looking like their limbs are like being grown over by like alien plant life, and then just a picture of. I think some dude being punched in the face from the anime that I can't tell because it's just at a weird angle. Yeah. No, this anime pissed me off the moment I saw it. <laughs> and even the writing, even Satomo Nihei's writing from both the, from the, this and from Knights of Sidonia, it, a lot of it gets lost in the adaptation process. So I, I don't recommend any... Netflix anime Polygon Pictures anime version of any of Nihei's works. Just read the manga. I don't recommend it's Polygon just, Pictures. Period. Yeah, Polygon Pictures. The people thought it was a good idea to make a complete CG version of a Ghibli anime. Hmm. Yes. Yeah, I'm like looking at comparison stuff. <laughs> like, yeah, the CG, especially Polygon Picture CG, just cannot fucking capture this shit. Like. No. Like, with the amount of detail and just the amount of fucking grit on it. Yeah. Like, Polygon Pictures, all their sh- all their stuff, no matter no matter how good the base design is, it all loses any edge it has because it's all just polished yeah, to such too, a fucking pristine degree. Yeah, it's too clean. It's too polished. There's no dirt. There's no grit. There's no... Even blood doesn't look like blood whenever there's injuries in this. So it's just... Yeah, I'm looking at like a cast shot of the of the Knights of Sidonia movie and yeah like it's it's six people two of them have dirt on them and dirt looks like just they took a fucking photoshop brush tool and just all right that's boop, 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 and then we're good no there's no well not some I don't know if this continues later on in the Knights of Sidonia one but the thing that immediately turned me off the Knights of Sidonia one is that they introduced that there are androids like full robot androids in this series as well as humans and this character who wears a unexpressive, non-moving mask uh, walks forward towards the main character and hugs him by lifting her arms at a 90-degree angle, bending over, closing her arms around him, and sort like rhythmically patting his back. And I was like, oh, that must be a robot. Oh, no, that's a person. <laughs> oh, God. So, yeah, when the animation... It, when the animation fails to distinguish between humans and robots, you failed. Yeah, like if these guys were better at stuff, and I could see like their art style actually working well for like robots. Yeah, no, that's the only thing that works in the Knights of Sidonia anime is that uh, the fights with the uh, the this then the Sidon the Sidonia is the ship. Then most of the knights of the Sonia are the robots that go out to fight the placenta monsters. And those work okay because they're clunky, boxy-looking robot mo- machines f- moving in the um, vacuum of space. So yeah, but you, janky weirdness there is a little bit more forgivable. But even with people, when, you need like actual animation and actual like you need to add some grit to them. Yes, and I'm not, I'm not talking about like dirt, like even like face details, because so many other characters' faces are just nothing until you get a profile shot and even then it's just no we can see the nose now yeah like we mm-hmm. see shading like like that image i was talking about earlier uh there's some shading on one of the characters and with most of the characters it is like all right so there's a light coming at them from the from their left so left side completely lit up right side in shadow with everybody it's just a fucking straight cut line down the middle but there's one guy who's kind of turned into angle and there's just like occasional little breaks in the shadow 
from his face, I guess. I don't know. It it was really weird, but because there was no differentiating fucking features on his face that would explain that. Yes, very much so. Just a fucking, just fucking sanded down Barbie doll. So there was nothing to actually show, hey, this is how my face looks to make these shadows appear on it. So, yeah, no, the fact that Polygon, that I think both of, I mean, you said you have some problems with blame, and I can see some of those problems because it's too, it is very dense. It's filled with a lot of complex storytelling and a whole bunch of characters and a whole lot of world building. So it can, I can see it getting to be too much. For yeah, some every viewers. time I tried to sit down and watch and, re- and read Blame, it has been points where I'm just like, kind of like, Fucking around anime, fucking around manga sites, just trying to find something else to read, and then, I, and then that will pop up in like my random search. And I'm like, okay, I'll try this, and then I just get into it, and I was not prepared. Like, I need to set aside like a day to read Blame. Yeah, and the only reason I set aside time today was because I was waiting for a phone call for a job, and I needed somewhere to sit and something to do on my phone while I was waiting. So I had the first two volumes for two dollars total. So I was like, eh, fuck it. <laughs> It, but yeah, no, never, never watch. I don't care how much critical acclaim it gets. I don't care how many physical releases of the Netflix series they release. Do not watch Knights of Sidonia or Blame on Netflix. It's not worth it. <laughs> and I and take this story started. I liked the CG Godzilla anime movie. <laughs> and I'm saying, fuck this thing off. <laughs> I'm actually kind of looking forward to the... Uh, second movie in that because it's going to be Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla and King Ghidorah. Oh. Fucking Polygon Pictures made that too. Yeah. At least the design is we- for Mechagodzilla is weird enough that I can see that kind of working in CG. Let me get some fucking pictures in this. I haven't fucking seen any of this thing. You want me to keep going while you're doing that? Uh, yeah, please. But like, already I can tell that, like, either somebody at Toho or they hired somebody. Well, the, it, it's, it was made by Polygon Pictures, but it was directed by the Ura Butcher. Okay, that might be why. <laughs> yeah, it, instantly I can tell that this looks better than anything else Polygon has done. Just based on the shading on the characters. Yeah. Like detail and has been added to the to these dudes' faces. There's like just like I can see little like detail lines on them that weren't present in anything else I've seen from them. The lighting has gotten better. Yeah. I can distinguish between different races despite the various flavors of bright white people. Yeah, their ships and their ships and like the world and stuff looks it has like more realistic grit on it. Yeah. Godzilla looks fucked. Yeah. Looks like a fucking ooze monster took the shape of Godzilla. Yeah, well the problem is they went with the the design they went with for this is kind of based on the 2014 Godzilla design which I never really liked that design because it's too basic. And when you have that design, that basic re-rendered in CG, the results are kind of... Uh, 
It looks like a not finished, like like they got like the skeleton yeah, done uh-huh. and like the and, like the main thing of it, but they don't put any textures on it. Because yet. like all the the stuff that I always notice about Godzilla is like the texture of his scales, the design. Like you can tell the difference between different movies based on the design of his uh, back spines. I would never be able to tell anything about his back spines from this movie. Yeah. But anyway, anyway yeah. Moving on. Okay, so. Speaking of a CG anime that actually does kind of look good, Land of the Lustrous. Okay. So, um, these characters are basically the crystal gems, except they take it to a much more literal extent, (laughs) where all of them are literally made of mobile gemstone. Okay. And they are constantly fighting these extra-dimensional creatures that look like Buddha statues that attack them and literally harvest them. Like, they attack them, shoot them, break them into pieces, and harvest the pieces. Okay. Yeah. And between the deliberately crystalline designs of the characters, um, the minimalistic except for the the minimalistic design of the of the universe aside from the monsters that they're fighting they kind of get away with it and even the fight scenes don't look all that crap because they have they have more fluid camera movements they show off a a range of different things that all these different characters can do they have like it's still a little robotic but they have distinct character motions that distinguish characterization from person to person Okay. Yeah. And the story is weird because um, the leader of these uh, crystal gems, I'm just going to call them that, is a monk. (laughs) (laughs) And the monk is the one mostly in charge of, like, occasionally they manage to get a few pieces back from one of their comrades when they have a successful fight against the things that invade them. But most of the time, no. (laughs) Oh, yeah, this uh, is just straight up. They're just straight up rocks. Yeah. It's that's not metaphor, it's not like hologram over a gem. No, they're just straight up made of gemstone rock. Yeah, this, this is this is the description of our, of the main character. Um phosphophylate, uh, known as phos for short, one of the weaker jewel people with a hardness of three point five. Yeah, that's the other thing. They they the the warriors are usually people with much higher gem hardness because they have they're much more difficult to damage by the enemy, to be damaged by the enemy. Phospho, of course, wants to fight, but since she's one of the weaker ones, instead, um, she, uh, the monk gives her the incredibly annoying task of writing a record of their history. And she's like, what the fuck does that mean? That's bullshit. I want to go murder. Yeah. And one time she does, in the first episode or two, she does sneak out to try to help, and she almost just gets her associate's kill, at which point he almost breaks her in half himself with his stick. (laughs) And from that point on, she tries more to... She has to attempt to contemplate the idea of what it means to collect history for her to understand what the goal of this assignment is. And her growth mostly comes from that. Okay. So, if you're going to watch a CG anime, watch this one. 
Hey, I'll just read the manga. Yeah, that's up to you. I've heard the manga is pretty good. I haven't read it yet. But anyway, um, moving on. Because you obviously haven't read it so, or watched it, so you don't really have much to say about it either. So. Yeah, nope. Yeah. Uh, let's do a comedy series. Hina Matsuri. Which okay. I think literally translates to Hina Party. <laughs> <laughs> or Hina Festival. I think that Matsuri is the word for festival. Um, yeah, so our main... Hina, Hina Festival sounds a lot less dirty than Hina Party. Yeah, true. All right. So our main character is a Yakuza. A Yakuza who hates blood, violence, and only wants and is just obsessed with getting money. So he can get expensive things. Oh, yeah, I've been meaning to read this. Yeah, because it's a new anime this season that's been manga for a while. Um, one day, a giant metal egg appears out of nowhere in his apartment. There is a person face in the in part of the shell. The person tells them to remove the uh, to press the button on the back of the shell. And he does. At which point it explodes open and reveals a 12, 13-year-old girl with blue hair named Hina. Uh, she says, I want to live here. Let me live here. She's like, uh, no, bitch. I don't really want to raise her. At which point she uses her psychic powers to start breaking shit in his room. <laughs> you know, naturally. Yeah. Until he's like, okay, fuck, fuck, fine, 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 shit. Stop breaking shit. my shit. <laughs> I'm not that high level. I don't make that much money. Yeah. And so the stress of dealing with this on a regular basis starts to freak him out. But he and his Yakuza the boss doesn't know what's going on at first. And eventually in a later episode, he's forced to explain, I'm taking care of this girl. She, I'm her guardian now. At which point everyone expects him to act like the best dad in the world. So to or even his Yakuza boss is like, fuck you, go get her to school and then have a birthday party for her. You ass. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, my only really experience with the Yakuza has been from the Yakuza games. Yeah, so I'm just imagining like one of those like, like fucking middle aged fuckers with like this with like giant yeah. glasses and no, their weird like Elvis the, haircut. This is not one of the badass yakuza guys. This is one of the yakuza that's just interested in making the money to the point where uh, when one of his uh, superiors orders him to take out a hit on a opposing gang, he kind of is feels forced into it until. Um, Hina offers to take care of the problem for him, and she's like, "What do you mean, take care of the problem?" So she just walks in and starts throwing people out windows. No, I don't mean I don't mean like the guy taking care of her. I mean like the superior who said you're gonna get the, you're gonna get her to school and get her a fucking birthday party. Oh, that guy, yeah, yeah, uh, just, just like he's sitting, just like he's sitting there in fucking like khakis with a giant back tattoo, threatening to cut this fucker's fingers off. Yeah, he's he's more the sort of traditional yakuza boss type character, like smokes, wears like. Traditional garb over a jack over a mo- over a modern Western suit. Uh, everyone treats him with martial levels of respect, that kind of thing. Yeah, but but he also keeps making money because he learns how to ways to make Hina use her powers for his own benefit. Like when 
they need some uh, someone hires them to undercut a competitor on a construction gig. He literally just goes out into the woods with Hina and has her build it. <laughs> okay, yeah. I forgot that like a good chunk of the Yakuza business is just construction. <laughs> yeah, and at this point, for a moment, she takes the, the like, oh, you're just trying to take advantage of me like the people from the world I escaped from. And but the end of the episode, um, he says he he takes her to a because she she's she's become obsessed with salmon. So he takes her to a sushi restaurant that serves uh, salmon roe sushi, which is fairly common in Japan, even if it's a little expensive. And he explains to her, "Look, you work, you get money, and when you get money, you can buy shit like this. That's what adults do." And she's like really enjoying the meal, really th- grateful to this. But then she ruins it by saying shit like. Tonight I've become a woman. <laughs> I'm assuming that was then that then caused a reaction of shock to everybody at the restaurant. Like, what the fuck is he doing with that child? No, he's, he, he said immediately. Sh- he, he, the only response at the end was immediately shut up with that shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, no. This is a a very funny series, and of course there are more characters that show up from Hina's future to do other weird shit. Like there's this one unfortunate girl who just who was supposed to drag Hina back, but discovered how happy Hina was after a fight they had, which basically was a was a psychic version of uh, whoever can make the other one look to a certain direction loses. Okay. Yeah, but she gets discovers that she gets trapped in the future, in in the past, to the point where she's forced to become a homeless bum, and she starts learning hobo terms. Is she singing the hobo knife song? Yeah, and she's living in a newspaper tent under the bridge. Yeah, this is really funny. Yeah, in my head, I'm just picturing her as just. Ending up as a side character in Arakawa under the bridge. <laughs> uh, but yeah. So this one is a. It's a wacky comedy. <laughs> so if that's not your thing, stay away. But I had a lot of fun with this. <laughs> Alrighty. Yeah. All right, and if Deb, I need to take care of something real quick, Dead Man. So if you could talk about something immediately, then I'll just get back for us my list afterwards. Uh, yeah, okay. So, um, I was going to do the anime that I watched, then all the manga, but fuck that because this. Um, I'm just going to talk about something that I read called Infection. Ah, wait, you're back already. Okay, I guess not. So, um, Infection is a zombie story. That's kind of, kind of, it's, that's it really, just, it's just zombies. But a bit different, because the zombies are worms. Uh, when we get, like, our initial infection point, we see, oh, it's a zombie. Uh, it's a guy, main character, walking to, a, walking to class and seeing a girl, like, holding somebody's head. And then he turns her around and her eyes are just worms. 
just that's it. Just fucking worms. Uh, but her pupils are still there. So like the white of her eyes was turned into worms. Worms that like actually see coming out and falling out of her face. So they so not, they're not, so they aren't just like worms inside a fucking bulb or whatever. It's just this mass of worms with pupils on them. Googly. Yeah, it's really fucking weird. And from there is just our fucking main character, just Big Dick Awesome Boy, trying to save everybody along with his sister, Big Dick Awesome Child. Sounds big dick boring. Yeah, it really is. Like, everybody's like, oh, yeah, these two fuckers are going to, like, save the day. They're fucking awesome. Everything's great. And the zombies themselves are really boring looking. Like, aside from the initial thing of, like, oh, worms in their eyes. What? From there, everything is just very clean. Like, even when things get kind of bloody, it's not like a... It's not like a super amount of, like, entrails are pouring out or, like, there's a lot of blood or anything. There's blood, but it's just all very flat. And there's, and just keeps jumping back and forth between, between like just soul crushing despair. Well, what what they think is soul crushing despair, and just like, oh, we got rays of hope because nothing really changes in their situation. It's just the character will all of a sudden be really depressed, and then one of the big dick siblings will go, "Hey, don't worry, we're fucking golden," and they'll be like, "Oh, okay." Just really boring. Oof. <laughs> so yeah. That's all I got. Alright, well, back to my list. Yep. <laughs> Alright. I'll get the last and super annoying thing out of the way first so I can talk about stuff I enjoyed more. Um so Cora, back when he was on the show, talked about this a little bit. Um, Classroom of the Elite. Okay. This is one of those um, dystopian high school sucks stories. Because uh, the premise of this world is that every high schooler who goes to this Japanese high school is given a certain amount of points that they can spend on anything from like food, video games... Uh, better accommodations to bribing teachers. But um, the amount does not recharge. And if you're not careful, you can run through it really fast. Okay. And the only way to get more is certain... There are class, the class structure is built in each grade level down to like class A, B, C, and D. D class gets no points at the end of each semester unless they show marked signs of improvement. So most of the character, most of the students in D are basically out of points by the end of the first month of school. Uh-huh. At which point they can basically only eat water and vegetables and have like the most basic of drinks and type stuff on campus. So the the incentive is to do things to improve your stand the, the standing of your class or to move into another class where you can afford to get some points back at the end of each month. Um, this is of course a dog eat dog fuck everyone world. Yeah, naturally. And our main character, uh Ayanokoji Psycho, I think is how you say his first name. Um, 
is a sociopath. Okay. Yeah. Uh, like it doesn't, it uh, never overtly says it, but at the end of the, I watched the last episode of the episodes of the series that aired and after they show this long uh, multi-episode part where he orchestrated this plan to help a character, another girl in his class, uh, win acclaim and friendship from a lot of students in their class and better standings in the school overall. And she's expressing all this gratitude and stuff. The only look on his face, even though he doesn't say it, is, I am literally just using you for my own ends. I will conquer this school. Fuck you and everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah uh, the other students in his class are varying degrees of cliche so nothing really all that special about any of them The the his main love interest if you can call her that is the standoffish rich girl bitch um, the hot one in class is one of those dual personality acts super cute but has a bitchy angry side that she rarely shows uh tip other than that it's like typical high school student tropes it did the students that you interact with the most in the school feels like a badly written persona game is there a student named sarah who looks like a monkey kind of fuck i was joking yeah and certain uh, it, the Ayana Koji uh, homeroom because like the Ayana Koji's whole thing is that he only feels that he can work his magic by not being noticed. So he deliberately makes himself average and act to act and perform average and uninteresting as possible. To the but smart enough people have kind of figure out that he's definitely not either of those things. Like his homeroom teacher noticed like. Yeah, so you got exactly 50 points on all of your exams, which would sound super average if it weren't for the fact that you deliberately got you that you got questions that only 2 or 3% of the entire school got right, but missed answers that 70 to 80% of the school got right. <laughs> Plus like just it it would draw some attention just nothing but 50s. Yeah. Waver that shit out a bit. Like sometimes you do good, better on, sometimes you do worse on. Just average does not mean one hundred percent down the middle. That is the most fucking suspect shit. Yeah. Well, as when I talked with Cora about this, I couldn't remember. I talked to them about this after I watched it. It's like, why did you recommend this to me again? He said it was stupid, but I had fun watching it. I didn't really even have fun watching it because, um, okay. With when you have this type of main character, you either have to give him relata- relatability or strong motivations. Like Lelouch is kind of a sociopath for the most part, but he cares about some stuff enough that you are find him relatable and can kind of understand his goals. Yeah. But if you can't go with that angle, then you have to go with super clear, okay, this is why we're on this character's side motivation, which was why one of the brilliant things that the first season, the first episode of uh, Code Geass did was show you just how dickish Lelouch's family is. And 
And you can't really do that with, like, a faceless enemy that we never see, even if it is the main character's father. Because um, the only thing we know... For the end of 12 episodes, as far as I can tell, the only thing we know that it, this guy maybe hates... It's hard to tell. With your sociopath, I don't know if you can actually hate someone. I don't know. Uh, Might just be more like, a, my life would be better if they were out of the way. I guess, but he seemed to be, it seems to be like some drive motivates him to hate this guy. And I can't tell exactly why, because all we've seen of the kid's background that would lead us is that he's standing in rooms with people watching them choke, suffocate, and die. Wasn't that a thing in Monster? Maybe? I don't remember. It's been a while since I've read Monster. But at the same time, um, the at the when you're talking about the kindergarten in uh, Monster, they gave you faces for some of those people that abused and tortured uh, Johan and the other kids at the school that led them to become what they did. Um, I still don't know what his dad looks like. <laughs> okay, I assumed like when we went into this, it would be more of like a he is against the system kind of thing, or is more like a Patrick Bateman. Because um, like, like the way because like the way he talked about it of there being this system and he's like trying to like get it get his like climb work his way up in it that seemed where it was gonna be going it was gonna be like an American Psycho kind of thing of he is like in his head constantly running through every single situation and and like trying to like, in his head we are getting his internal monologue of I want to fucking like slit the guy's throat or whatever but he is putting on that facade of I'm just a completely average guy just don't want to rock the boat but I want to like increase my station in life. Yeah, I don't think that's the case, because, like, in the third episode, uh, the student council president offers him a secretary position on the student council, and he deliberately declines, saying, I just want to be average. Yeah, the writing in this doesn't make much sense. Yeah, no, it don't. The problem it runs into is that what should be an easy sell of a the inherent fa- uh, fallible nature of a dog-eat-dog um, social structure uh, is kind of ruined by the fact that we're forced to follow a complete sociopath who doesn't give a shit about anything as a main character. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I don't know why people like this. I kind of despised it. <laughs> okay. All right, what's left? Uh, okay, yeah, another new one from this season. Uh, Megalobox. Fuck yes. God, I want it to not be so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoy it. I enjoy it too, but some of the tropes that it leans on with its new premise just seem idiotic now. Okay. Like, okay, for those who don't know, Megalobox is a sci-fi reimagining of a classic boxing anime called Ashita no Joe. So yeah, it's part of the Joe the, 50th anniversary project. Yeah, sort of the the definitive boxing manga of all time, as far as I can tell. Uh, in this new version, it's like a post, it's a kind of semi-apocalypse type setting where you have like big cities of uber wealth 
uh, and social structure, but then you have like giant empty, uh, not empty, giant crowded, messy uh, slums outside of these cities of people who are not even considered citizens because you have to pay basically to be a citizen. I wouldn't say post-apocalypse, more dystopian. Okay, yeah. Because like, there, um, there hasn't been any like, there hasn't been any indication that they're like, oh, the world has been like fucking beat to shit because of like war or whatever. And then from that, the situation just came seem more kind of like, this is the way things are. They're shitty, but this is the way they are. Yeah, fair enough. But, um, so the, the series starts with our main character who is nameless at the start of it, except he, uh, what's the name? Goes Dirty by Junk Dog. dog. Junk Dog is his boxing name. Uh, he is working as a... He, he professionally throws fights at an underground ring, basically. You know, the mafia. Yeah. And his, uh, his, his trainer basically just wants him to keep throwing fights, but he's starting to get kind of sick of it. But um, uh, things go... Or start to go a little weird for him when he goes on a motorcycle ride and runs into the almost get almost uh, he crashes his bike almost running into the president of the the dystopian company that kind of runs everything in the big city and her pet boxer Yuri yeah because in this dystopian future the biggest thing in the world is megalo boxing yeah which for those who don't know is basically boxing with the uh, mechanical implements from Elysium. Yeah, you got this, like, they got these like got these uh, big fucking backpacks on that go into arm extensions that let them punch harder and faster. Yeah. And so everybody's like, oh, yeah, let's get out of this. Ah. Murder, yay. Yeah. The series, the series is the commentary on the basic human, on the base of human nature. Woo! So the main character uh, mouths off to both the pr- the president and her boxer to the point where Yuri tracks him down in the slums and fights him and beats the shit out of him. At this point, uh, Junk Dog really, really wants to fight him properly in the Megalomania tournament, which is the big Street Fighter-esque boxing tournament in the city. Yeah. But you need to be a citizen to do that. Uh, if only new people in the Mafia. Yeah. So, and after um, after Junk Dog refuses to throw a fight, uh, the mafia comes after him and his trainer, and the trainer, desperate to save his own skin, finally desperately bids uh, bets, saying, "You can take our lives after we get a chance at potentially winning Megalomania." At which point, that much money will pay off all of my debts, his debts, and everything we would owe you, and still make you an obscene sum of money. If we lose, you still get to kill us anyway. As the basic premise. Yeah. So the boss agrees and gets them a, an ID off a dead guy who had some debts to him. At which point the boxer, Junk Dog, now takes the name Joe. And only Joe. Uh, yeah. The, citizen, the citizen's ID is a first name. Yeah. Airtight system. Yeah. So they after the next episode in, they introduce a... Uh, Little Rapscallion, who 
he and his friends are desperately addicted to drugs, but he's kind of a savant at understanding the machines that are used in these Megalobox fights. But um, after a couple of altercations in that same episode, Joe no longer has a set of uh, uh, boxing gear to use in Megalobox. So his trainer, and this is one of the first really big dumb things that annoyed me, uh, comes up with the brilliant idea of, hey, let's just have you box without it. Yeah, let's take the main selling point of this sport and this series and just kind of rem- like remove that. Yeah. And like from a marketing standpoint, okay, so meta marketing, I don't get why they did that. That seems like a cliche to fall back on from other boxing stories that doesn't make sense in the context of this universe. In story, it's even stupider because there's a point where betting life or death on a fight stops being ballsy and starts just becoming stupid. And this kind of steps down into stupid. Yeah. To the point where when Cora reviewed this episode, he, he posted that. So are you okay? Megalobox? How many fingers am I holding up? <laughs> yeah. It's just getting like, as they get more and more into the fights and based on the people that we've seen in their like personality stuff, getting more and more up against psychopaths. Yeah, with more insane, like, fully implanted cybernetics. Yeah, like, there are people in this series who, I think just based on how it's described, like, their arms are just robots. Basically. I mean, the our, the the big final boss, Yuri, has, like, super special, like, fully integrated cybernetic tech that looks like normal arms, but is completely robotic. Yeah, so... No matter, how, no matter how much of a fucking like, can like punch through cars or concrete or solid metal. So yeah, no matter like, how like one, ballsy you are, it stops coming off as you're a badass and more you're an idiot. Yeah, like they have that second gear that they stole in the episode the kid was introduced. Yeah. So I'm assuming, or I'm guess I'm hoping that going into like as they get into bigger fights, it's going to be. He actually does put on a fucking gear. Yeah, I would hope so. Because the weird, the, the my big complaint with it at this point is that despite it's it's clear, it's really good style, it's compelling if somewhat stereotypical boxing characters. The, the problem is that it sometimes sets up things and doesn't really do much with them. Yeah. Like the point they they actually I've, when they brought in the kid I was at first annoyed like oh why would you bring in a stupid kid other than to appeal to a younger shonen demographic at which point they said oh wait no uh, this kid is a savant and like he could literally tell which punch was going to come based on the shifting gear sounds and the and the boxing gear so it's like okay that's something good to have around as like a, a team second yeah and he like, and like it actually does ever. work for kind of what they're going for because. Uh, his trainer is just a standard boxing trainer. Yeah. Like, he doesn't really add anything from the mechanical side. He just is f- solely focused on the core, like footwork, punches, the way that you, like, turn into a punch and stuff, the way you keep your guard up. So they kind of needed that second. Yeah. Should they have kept the gear on? Yeah, but then they set up the plot point, hey, to make all the money and really raise you in the ranks fast enough to where you can compete in the full Megalomania tournament, I'm going to have you fight five enemies back-to-back, ungeared. 
At which point I was like, oh. Uh. Yeah. And so now, he's, really ran- and now he's ranked they- 17. Yeah, I mean, I really hope they pull out of this stupidity and have him put on gear again. And like, I know this was a desperation move to get him out of a tough situation, to get him into a fight that he can actually, chance where he can actually fight the final boss. But come on, writers, don't set up the premise that everyone uses this gear and like that it's common knowledge and then just think it's super badass that the, our main character doesn't. Because at a certain point, it stops becoming smart and just becomes like your lazy boxing writers. Yeah, like they need to throw in that gear before he gets to Megalomania. Yeah. But other than that, I'm still really enjoying it. It's definitely one of the best. I mean, I I see why people are calling it a, an attempt to imitate the the feeling of like late nineties, early two thousands anime styles that everyone felt falls in love with, with stuff that's kind of overrated, like cowboy bebop, which is just all style, no substance. But, uh, yeah, I don't hate it. I don't hate the style. I mean, I just, I think the series that people remember most fondly from that period that make them fall in love with it is a little overrated. Well, yeah, of course it is. (laughs) It's nostalgia. Yeah. But there are people now who have watched it for the first time that still say Cowboy Bebop is the greatest anime of all time. I'm like, <laughs> come on. Yeah, I watched the first two episodes and I was like, eh, it's okay. Didn't really have anything for me. Yeah. Okay, so one last thing and then I'll be done with my list. Uh, Alrighty. Steins Gate Zero. All right, yeah, this was another series that Cora reviewed quite well, I yeah. think. Yeah, he liked it a lot. Um, after five or six episodes, a couple things had me a little concerned. Um, for one thing, uh, Daru, uh, his, I don't know if, it's the, if they still have the same actor from this original series or if they changed actors or tried to force him to do something different to indicate he was older. The voice is weird now. Okay. Like it sounds like the old, like you you did you listen to the old Japanese version of the original Steins Gate? Uh, yeah, I watched the sub. Okay, okay, yeah. Imagine that voice on helium. Wait, if he was older, why would he go up? I don't know. <laughs> that makes no sense. Nothing about the like. They seemed like they deliberately lowered it in post, but it sounds like. He's talking like this, but in a super low voice. <laughs> okay, no, it's the same guy. Yeah. Yeah, Tomokazu Seiki. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. I, oh, why did they make him do that? God damn it, Sosuke. <laughs> <sighs> but, um, yeah, so the, the other thing with his character that's starting to really annoy me is... um. A current dynamic in the series is that um, Suzune, the girl from the future who is Daru's daughter, knows who her mom is, and Daru has started to kind of date her future mom, so she keeps awkwardly trying to force the situation forward, <laughs> and the future mom keeps thinking that he, that Daru and Suzune are cute together. 
which is made extra creepy whenever Daru makes super creepy jokes around her saying, uh, what, what would you do? Uh, could you bend over if I, if I leaned forward and, uh, put my hands over my penis? Like, uh, God damn it, Japan. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the big selling point of this series for those who don't know is that, uh, this is a darkest timeline because at the end of the original, before the second ending, the first ending of uh, the original Steins Gate is that um, Okabe has to pick between two possible futures. One where um, uh, Kurisu is dead and one where Mayuri is dead. Yeah. He ends up ultimately, uh, the thing is both of them technically have a dark future outcome. If he picks the one where Mayuri is dead, um, CERN, the scientific organization, uh, actually, no, that in Mayuri's future, World War Three happens. But <laughs> in um, Carisu's future, CERN uses time travel technology to conquer the Earth. So, Okabe in this, in the story of Steins Gate Zero, ultimately picked the Mayuri setting, and we are following that timeline. Uh, and the other the the other big narrative selling point is that in the second episode, uh, Okabe is introduced to a neurologist who worked with Karisu when she was alive, who they were they were experimenting on AI, and they made an AI out of Karisu's memories. You know, nothing creepy about that. Yeah, as a and set it up as a phone app, and the AI with Karisu's voice and face starts. Starts FaceTiming Okabe. So it's turning into a cross between Transcendence and her? Yeah, a little bit. Is he going to find a hooker and give her like a, give her like a headset? So he could, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It, um, also, there is a girl from Suzune's future who kind of looks like Kurisu if she were older but who is actually the daughter of of Mayuri and uh, Okabe from the future, although she has amnesia, so she doesn't remember that. Uh, of course. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what it is, but, like, I'm seeing the twists coming too far in advance now. Like, the fact that the character who, uh, that Susan A is looking for from her own future who came back to the past with her shows up in the same episode that she says I'm looking for. And we're not supposed to know that it's that character until the end of the episode after that. I'm just... And they're also starting to repeat themselves because despite the fact that they're in the timeline where World War Three happens, not where a... Techno- technological firm conquers the earth um, the t- the uh, corporate terrorists that killed Mayuri and her bad timeline show up and point guns at people at the end of the left- last episode I saw so Okabe is like what the fuck <laughs> this is the wrong bad thing to be happening and there's mm-hmm. some indication that because Despite the fact that it's not the Kurisu who was helping Okabe with the um, the tech, the time machine that they have, the, the AI is good enough that it technically counts as Kurisu being back in the timeline. So technically, if he interacts with the AI too much, he can technically alter timelines again. 
Mazel tov. Uh, Got to incorporate that reading, Steiner. Yeah, but of course, um, well, the other thing is that Okabe is acting normal. Like, the stress of what happened to Kurisu and his constant experimentation with thousands of possible timelines has left him broken and psychologically unhinged to the point where he constantly has to take anxiety medication and antipsychotics to avoid feeling like he's slipping between timelines again to the point where his nightmares feature him walking through various timelines at the same time. Yeah, that fuck anybody up. Yeah. So, I mean, there is good stuff in here, and I guess this story will... Ult- and the other plot point that's going on in the foreground is that uh, Daru and Suzune, with her knowledge of the future, are trying to work on an alternate form of time travel from the one Okabe was using in the first series, which is clearly... The, the main goal of this series is that the one plot point everyone complained about from the original is that, how did you have another form of time travel? Wait, that's like, the, oh, the complaint is why they had another form of time travel, like in story wise, not just why did you use another form of time travel? Yeah. Because that was my big thing. Like, I really enjoyed that first series, but then things kind of started to get a bit eh when they introduced physical time travel. Yeah. So the point of this story is to show how a darkest possible timeline led to the ability to create a physical time machine that would allow Akabe to avoid both possible dark futures. That seems to be the goal of the story here. But that doesn't matter. Like, it just doesn't. Hello? Yeah? Okay, you just went quiet there for a bit. I mean, I didn't have anything to say in response to that. Is that... That's where this would seem to be going, unless it plans to just completely contradict the original series, which I don't think it's going to do. But uh, I don't know. It, I'm I'm still enjoying it because I'm such a fan of these characters, even if Mayuri's starting to annoy me again. But uh, I don't know. I, I just needed to do. The, the one thing that got me into it originally was him talking to an AI of the woman he loved. Yeah, but if they if they have to expand it beyond what they've currently done, because at this point it's starting to get a little repetitive and we're only six episodes in. Mm. Yeah. And considering how little plot it feels like th- this kind of story would have, given what we know about the original, it's weird that it's a full 24 episodes. Because, like, it doesn't feel like it has enough plot for 24 episodes of story, since this is basically an add-on to the original. Yeah, it might make more sense like a 12 or 13. Yeah. Which but I guess they just they, went with that because the first series of 24 episodes. I guess. Could just be they wanted to give more episodes to give more instances to sell that super valuable uh, Steinsgate merch. Word. Because of the of the series, the comma series that have been made, Steinsgate's the only super successful one. Because everything else is either mediocre or just flat out bad. Yo, check it out. We got a new wardrobe line. You want Okabe's fucking? You want his lab coat or his morning jacket? Yeah. Yo, check it out. We got Steinsgate branded antipsychotics. Yeah. 
<laughs> Funny story. I watched one of the um, uh, comedy omake uh, shorts that they did in connection to the original series in which uh, Okabe went to Kurisu asking for advice on how to update his and uh, Daru's wardrobe uh, in ways so that people didn't think they were creepy. So she uses her uh, her op- her uh, toy computer to like simulate costumes for Daru and him. And when she starts simulating actual attractive clothes for uh, Okabe, she gets so sexually aroused to the point where she in her head says, I can never let him wear any of these. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the strength of Steins Gate has always been its characters. I mean, the plot is good for the most part, but the, the reason people care is these characters. Yeah. So I just I, I need something new to hang on. And so far, the new stuff they've added is not thrilling me. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to keep watching it because I'm such a huge Steinsgate Zero Steinsgate fan. But it needs to do more than what it's doing. Alrighty then. All right, that's it for me. Alrighty, on to me. So I already talked about Megalobox. I already talked about Infection. So let's talk about um, Mimesis. Memesis. It's Nemesis with an M. Mimesis is how I would usually pronounce that. Yeah, so this is a fantasy series um, focusing on the former adventuring companions of the main hero. Okay. Because in this fantasy world, there was like the destined hero who was like, yeah, we're going to go, I'm going to save the world. And then he got some traveling companions. Uh, two of them, whose names currently escape me. Just fucking recheck that. Um, yeah, okay. Kijira and Ash. Yeah, they they spent their time adventuring around, you know, fighting monsters and whatever. And then one day, the hero, Leon, um, says like, hey, you two are fired. I'm running around with these bitches now. So then Kijira and Ash um, made a, made like a, you know, promise to themselves that they would get stronger than Leon, defeat the demon lord before he can, and then make him regret ever letting them go. Okay. And that's basically it. It's just this, just these two guys, uh, kids, essentially, because, you know, it's a fantasy series, so it's fucking kids. Sure. Roll around the countryside, slaying giant fucking monsters, being, like, just the best bros with each other, and then just hating this one guy who doesn't give a fuck about them. Okay. And it's all right. Uh, like Kijira and Ash, um, I think they're I think they're pretty all right. Um, I neither of them have done anything that has like made them like super forward. Like none none of them like really done anything that, like really pushed them forward into being like oh yeah these are great characters. But they haven't really done anything to make me really hate them either. It's kind of okay. like hey these two bros. Uh, Personality wise, they are largely the same. There's the only thing that really differentiate them is. Is like, oh, one of them's one of them's more of a bruiser type. The other one is faster and quicker and does other fancy shit. Yeah, you know, it's kind of the most basic differentiation between two different types of fantasy characters. Uh, 
the series tries to be very funny, and the art style lends itself to that. Uh, the art is very, the characters themselves are all very like very expressive and exaggerate and exaggerated. Uh, they all have like very pronounced features about what about like kind of what it is that makes them look like them. Uh, the hero basically looks like a Dragon Quest protagonist. Okay, so uh, a Akira Toriyama type character. Um, kind of, but like, like no, like I mean, what I mean, like it is like in terms of equipment, headband, hairstyle. But he looks like he, but he looks like drawn. He looks like a guy drawn by this artist. Okay. Whereas Kidra and Ash, um, I can't remember which one is which, but like one of them is basically like baby guts. Just like very kind of stern face, short black hair, scar across his nose. And then the other one is the pretty boy. He has he has like, you know, bob cut, blonde hair, very clean face. Both of them are stupid strong. And pretty much all their decisions are based around what's the best way we can improve our own status to fuck over the hero. Which for the most part works. I've found the series to so far to be like pretty funny and charming. The art style has worked really well. They, the artist, I believe this is his first series, but he is really great at doing like physical comedy in terms of characters, expressions, and stuff, and just really detailed and interesting looking monsters. Okay. The kind of problem I have with it is I'm not sure what Tony's going for because a lot of the time it feels like kind of a gag comedy thing. But the other times it gets like really fucking dark. Like in the most recent chapter, uh, they get to an, uh, Kidra, Ash, and a new character that was just been introduced. Um, a girl who also hates Leon. And who is like a monk, basically. Just, you know, unarmed fighter. Uh, she joins the party and just kind of they're going around. They go into like a big guild hall. She's like fucking around with this dude's cape. And it and is revealed that uh, one of Kidra or Ash's capes has, has essentially a pocket of hammer space in it. And they're all freaking out, just whatever. She's spitting fucking watermelon seeds in this dude's face. Then hard cut to a decapitated body with like a detailed look inside his fucking severed esophagus and throat as the hero is just standing there covered in blood. So it feels at times like a gag series, but other times it feels like almost a berserk level thing. I'm just really yeah, detailed, you dark yeah, fantasy. You can't. You can't really do that. Yeah. <laughs> For like the part, occasionally drift occasionally drifters tried to do that and it usually didn't work. Yeah. Everyone like every once in a while it's it does it and it's not like super distracting, but it is distracting enough to notice when it happens. Okay. And like I said, it hasn't it hasn't, it hasn't happened too much. For the most part, it has been pretty light. And since this is like an action, this is like a fantasy series, action series. They've done a the artist has done a good job of keeping the energy up in the action stuff and managing to man- managing to have the characters at least in combat kind of feel unique. So yeah, this series is the series has its problems, but I think it's ultimately pretty all right. So moving on to Athena Complex. Uh, this is a webtoon series. Haven't read this one. 
yeah, after getting on, after getting kind of hooked on an ordinary, I have spent some time going around that site looking for things and found this. So Athena Complex is about the god Athena trying to fuck over Poseidon, who's been dead for centuries. Like dead, dead, or god dead? Um, reincarnated as a human. Okay, so god dead. Yeah. Yeah, so in this series, um, Athena is... Athena is kind of introduced as the newest god. Uh, she is very girly, despite the fact that she's part giant. Okay, I have no idea what version of Greek myth they're going with. Okay, okay not giant, I mean Titan, part Titan. Okay. Because Zeus is the direct the direct descendant of Titans. Yeah, and also, depending on the version of the myth you talk about, she might have not been birthed from his head, but instead been birthed from a Titan. Yeah, so is her her big thing is that like at the be- at the beginning of her life she was very self conscious about herself because oh I'm just I'm just a girly girl whatever but I'm in the body of fucking a titan and so and so because of the titan blood um there was a prophecy uh, given to Zeus by the fates that were like hey if you give birth to a boy who's of titan blood you gonna get fucked if you give birth to a if, if you give birth to a girl probably be fine, but then gives her to a girl of Titan blood and so tries to just send her to fuck away. But then Poseidon is all, hey, I'll be a good guy. Let's let me take you in. And then actually ends up convincing Zeus to bring her back to Olympus where he trains her up and she ends up becoming one of the like 12 main gods. Yeah, the 12 Olympians. Yeah. Then Poseidon tries to overthrow Olympus. Then Poseidon tries to overthrow Zeus in Olympus. So they have to fight, and Athena ends up taking him down. And then he is exiled from Olympus and sent to fucking, sent to be reincarnated as a human on Earth with the worst luck. So then after a number of centuries, Athena ends up tracking down and finding, finding, um, finding Poseidon. Uh, but he is just a dude. He's just some guy in high school who is considered a walking disaster because anytime because anytime anything bad happens basically anytime he goes anywhere something bad will happen to him okay and he's like constantly bullied um like like and the main thing that kind of like brings him forward is that he almost he he was involved in an accident that almost got someone killed And yeah, so the main thing is uh, Athena's plan is she is going to pose as a guy, still named Athena. Just, hey, I'm a dude named Athena. What's up? Let's hang out. Um, insert herself into this guy's life, make her make him dependent on her as like a as like, you know, close friend and confidant, whatever, and just leave completely destroying him. Okay. But then uh, things get but then things start developing as she starts developing like what appears to be actual feelings for this kid and Poseidon is also just straight up conscious inside of his soul. Of course he is. And occasionally will just like break out and take control of his body and use his awesome water powers and shit and the other gods start showing up trying to fuck with her. Like there's one point where Ares just shows up, kidnaps him and they get into a big fucking god fight. 
with her ended up losing to Ares. So then Poseidon comes out and just I think drowns Ares and throws him back to throws him back to fucking Olympus or whatever. Uh, and the entire time, uh, Athena is being followed around by her owl and a titan. She just has a pet titan. Which titan? Um, I am not 100% sure. Uh, it's a... For the most part, she, for the most part, the titan spends all of her time as a small little pixie just kind of following her around. But every once in a while, she will go back to her true form of a fucking titan. Yeah, this series is at, at the start of it. You, it's, it's I, I kind of got like from the, your from your reaction to the description of it. Um, it gets a lot better, and even even at the start of it, it isn't as bad as it sounds. Like at the beginning okay. of it, it kind of almost feels like a gag comedy at times, with just occasional drops in occasional just like spurts of drama as. As like, yeah, having your entire life be just a constant string of bad luck and bullying and being kind of responsible for the maybe death of a person that has an effect on you. But then. But then at the same time, it is also just really it is it like Athena is able to get like some charm out of it and is actually just a really fun character. Because like I said, she is still like even being like a fucking god and titan or whatever. She still has those tendencies of just being a typical anime girl. Yeah, well, I mean, the reason people like to do the Greek myths is that they are the most human of, like, Western Greek, of Western pantheons. Yeah. So, doing, like, in particular, particularly Asian stuff, they like to do the Greek pantheons because they like to play up those traditional anime, uh, like, human problems from the myths to, like, absurd anime degrees. Yeah, and to be fair, I like that about gods too. I like gods that are basically just basically just like, hey, what if this obscure thing was what if this obscure concept was a person? I like those ideas about gods and less about them just being, I am fucking big dick awesome boy. Love me, you bitches. No, granted, I've always I've always floated around in my head the idea of the Judeo-Christian God being schizophrenic since three different distinct uh, mono monotheistic religions believe in their own version of him, so he's constantly fighting himself. He's like Manny faces. Yeah, or like he his actual face keeps changing, and he keeps telling people who about the other two guys he's fighting. <laughs> yeah, that'd be kind of great. Or, or he's like the Morrigan. <laughs> Just change between three wholly distinct personalities all inhabiting the same body and like the physicality changes too. We're probably going to offend someone if we keep talking about like this. Nah, not really. Anyway. Uh, so yeah, like as things have progressed, uh, we've started getting more and more like of a plot. Uh, we've started seeing more relationships between Athena and the other gods. Uh, one of the interesting ones was actually uh, the relationship between uh, Aphrodite and Ares. Okay. Well, that's a pretty like, Af- traditional one in the myth, so do they do something interesting with it? Um, 
I'm not I'm not super familiar with like Greek myth and stuff, so I don't really know all that stuff. But like one thing I kind of liked about it was uh, Ares and Aphrodite were married in the myth. Yeah, in this, um, I think Aphrodite. Actually, no, no, actually, no. I'm sorry. Uh, Ares, Aphrodite was married to Hephaestus. She kept she kept fucking Ares. Yeah, that, that's what this kind of is. She's married to uh, somebody else, but Ares is like her go-to squeeze. But Ares kind of don't give a fuck about her. So she's like being yeah. like super defensive about it and like it's driving her insane because everybody wants her, but Ares is too focused on Athena. Yeah, that sounds like actually that sounds a lot like the myth. So that's actually not all that weird. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't say weird. Like, like I said, I don't know much about the myth. Just I, I like that dynamic. Yeah, that's a that's straight up as has the guy she's with chained them together at any point. Um, I don't know. Maybe who knows? It's been some time since those myths were around because it's set place in uh, it's taking place in modern day Korea. Yeah, of course it is. <laughs> Yeah, of course it is. It's fucking Webtoons, dude. Yeah. And of course, Athena would choose to become a boy because, you know, Yaoi's a thing. Yeah, totally. And that's actually a plot point. <laughs> like, everybody... Like, uh, it's... Everybody's really weirded out about this whole thing because Athena is perfect. Like, she's the best at sports. She's the best at all this shit. She's super fucking awesome at fucking books or whatever. So why the fuck is he... Why the fuck is this fucking... Awesome dude hanging out with this shitbag. And they will occasionally have like discussions about and like, yeah, he, uh, our main guy, not Athena, will, will be constantly talking about like, why are you hanging out with me? This is really fucking weird. And will occasionally actually try to like stop hanging out with her because he thinks that something terrible will happen to her if she keeps hanging out with him. But then it gets to a point where the school, all the girls in the school are like, yo, those two dudes going to fuck. Be so hot, like actually to the point where one person who's been like hanging out with uh, our main character, trying to get closer to Athena, actually just straight up says, "I was going to ask you out, but no, now I'm just room for you two. And a bunch of Yowie books fall out of her bag. It's fun. I like this series. I'm liking. The, I'm liking the characters so far. Um, them. Anime, like the artist and writer, like the writer, um, animeifying the Greek gods in this way, I enjoy. Even though, even though based on your knowledge of the Greek things, it sounds like a lot of it is just straight up. This is the Greek shit. Yeah. But hey, I don't I mean, know that much if, about Greek if, shit. If so I went through it, it, I could probably figure out elements that they changed to fit their version of the story better. But a lot of the broad points are straight out of the myths. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm liking it. And uh, going forward, it seems like they are introducing a more um, human main character centered antagonist because up till now, it has been a lot of the God stuff. It has been the gods showing up and either interfering with Athena or yeah, like just interfering with Athena and her plans or whatever and having Poseidon take, kind of taking center stage while our main character is just along for the ride. But now they're introducing a character called Tom, Tom Kang, who was the brother or some kind of relation to the person who almost died. So, so going forward, that's going to be the antagonist and I'm looking forward to that. Cause, cause like we, we've been getting some stuff of, of character from our main guy, but he's always been like Not secondary to, to the plot. 
Yeah. No, like, no, it's like, it's made him I'm compelling. I'm reading another series. No, on. He, he's been, he's been a fine character and like, I've liked his interaction with other characters and stuff, but it's all been reactionary. It's all been like some crazy shit happens. He doesn't really know what's going on. And so he's just going to kind of talk about it and say how he feels about it. This is the first thing that is solely him. Okay. Like, yeah, gods are there and they're going to be interfering. Um, I think Artemis sent down two of her, like two of her buddies to essentially kill the uh, reincarnation of Poseidon without directly interfering with humans' lives. And based on dialogue, what they're going to be doing is trying to get Tom to murder him. Okay. Which Tom seems totally down for. Like he, well, he's a... I'm assuming he's a teenager or... Uh, he is an older student who okay. was suspended for, I think, trying to kill the main character. Okay. Yeah, he shows back up, uh, immediately calls him like a fucking piece of shit murderer asshole, spray paints murderer and fucking freaking disaster on his desk. Um, I think actually threatens to kill him in the bathroom. You know, standard antagonist stuff. Just that, there's another day at high school. Yeah, I'm liking this. Um, I think it's only like 80 chapters in right now, so if you want to check it out, it's on Webtoons for free. Uh, yeah, uh, Athena Complex. It's I'm liking it. It's pretty solid. Uh, moving on to something else. Uh, something that I found myself enjoying, I think, more than I should. Uh, Hour of the Zombie. Okay, I have no idea what this is. Yeah, so... It's so it starts out as like a love triangle thing with main guy. He has a best friend who is the awesome dude in the school. He's a, he's on the boxing club because you know, high schools have boxing clubs. Yeah. And he's the best in that. And the two of them have a mutual friend who is a lady. Uh, our main guy likes the lady. She likes the other guy. Then zombies happen. And she gets bitten. And he actually leaves the friend, and, he, and our main character actually leaves the friend to die in order to save the girl. Uh, despite the fact that the friend is only concerned about the main character. Because the friend is just that good of a fucking person. From there, from there things kind of get a bit weird because the zombie virus turns off. And so essentially, uh, there are just points in the day where everybody who is a zombie is a zombie going fucking nuts, and then it turns off and they go back to being a regular person. And so the story is less zombie survival in a school and human zombie coexistence in a school. Okay, that is odd. Yeah, they eventually, like, segregate themselves, like, you know, hey, humans are over here, zombies are over here, and they just have, like, a connecting bridge being their only real point of access, point of um, access with each other, and as things progress, we start learning, we start learning a bit more about, like, how the zombie virus actually affects them, and it's kind of more like rabies, where they just kind of go start going fucking nuts and wanting to eat people, but if you, if they have something to hold on to that is very much, like, something tied to their human life, they can actually like hold off from going nuts. 
like the best friend, when he meets up the main, main character again, he actually protects him, even while being in zombie form. And the student council president, he gets turned into a zombie, and what ends up holding him back is like a a present he gave to his girlfriend. And so, yeah, it's turning more and more into into like warring camps of people, one of whom occasionally goes fucking nuts as they try to, as like both sides vie for power, um, like 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 our main character is very much. I want peace. Coexistence needs to happen. Everything needs to be fucking copacetic because my friends are over there, and if we don't, we're all gonna die. Meanwhile, the zombies are very much, you know, the zombies outside of like best friend and one other guy who is another like big dick dude at the school. They're all very much, we need to get rid of all these fucking people because if they don't, they will turn on us and kill us. And it's not like super complex or anything. There's not like a, like a super big theme going on or anything. It just kind of. I just think it kind of works being a more like strategic style of human versus zombie storytelling as opposed to just standard, oh, zombies go blur and then we've got to survive. Uh, meanwhile, people inside are dicks. It's just kind of, there are people vying for peace on both sides, and but the majority on both sides are just kind of, we want to survive. So it almost turns political in a sense. And I've been enjoying it. It has the art style is very scratchy and it works for the zombie stuff. Um, works a bit less when they try to get like more fine detail or like the softer moments. Uh, which there, which there are, you know, some because there is the series is described as a romance series in some places that I've read it, which kind of isn't. Yeah, I, I've been enjoying Hour of the Zombie so far. Shame it got canceled, but eh. What are you going to do? Uh, final thing, something I hope gets canceled. Uh, Kyochu Reto, also known as the Island of Giant Insects. Hey, do you like those stories where a bunch of high school kids end up in a situation of horrible monsters and they're all dicks to each other, but one person is, like, fucking awesome at surviving this shit? So a shitty version of Cage of Eden? Yeah, what if Cage of Eden had giant bugs instead of dinosaurs? And, like, prehistoric animals. Yeah, that. Sounds like shit. It is. And, like, what if the tits were, like, way more in your face? Like like absurd tits or just like closer to porn tits? A little of both. Okay. And also what if the like motivations of the people like leading what if the motive yeah, what if the motivations of the people like leading in opposition to our main survival person were just idiots? Okay. So literally no. everything that I liked about Cage of Eden is gone. <laughs> Pretty much. Like when, like like, when they first land. I know and, I ultimately didn't like Cage of Eden by the end, but it's mainly just because it shit the bed in its ending. Yeah, like Cage of Eden was 
interesting. It had it had things going for it, and it had like interesting plot threads set up that it then never came to fruition, and it just turned to the lost. Yeah, this like, is if it had shit stuck from the jump. The landing, I would have liked it a lot better overall because it managed to have, for the most part, pretty compelling characters. It managed to avoid most of the dangerous situation dickheads that a lot of writing series like this have. Yeah, it still had but, some because you kind of have to. Yeah. But for the most part, it gave them, like, understandable motivations. And we also never learned who the fuck Hades was or what his deal was. Yeah. He just kind of showed up I just, twice. I just assumed they were in the Horizon Zero Dawn universe. <laughs> Where'd they get the hockey mask from? Uh, th- their knowledge of human history is... is Limited to Friday the 13th movies. <laughs> yeah, they found they found archived DVD copies of Friday the 13th 3 through 10. Yeah. What's weird is I would actually have bought the ending better if they went into space than compared to what they did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just they get to the they, they get they finally get a raft working, manage to get past the dinosaurs, get to the edge, and it turns out they're just on a disc floating through orbit. Because, yeah, you're in some weird biosphere. I would actually buy that a lot better than some weird time travel bullshit the main character's mom set up. Yeah, totally. Oh, God. It ha- that series had potential. Yeah, again, it, that might be the series that if if they if they ever adapt it to an anime, which they might because the manga ran for a while and it seems like the kind of content that TV would like, you know, weird animals, gore, teenage characters in relationships. Yeah. It's just, I would hope that they try to pull on a race and say, yeah, this ending is stupid. Let's do something else. <laughs> I'm surprised they haven't already. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe there's rights issues that haven't been worked out yet. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, um, so yeah, maybe Attack on Titans is too popular. <laughs> maybe. So yeah, the main character's skill that lets her survive in this world is that she is obsessed with bugs. So she knows a lot about all the bugs. Yes. Uh, Including their habits, um, like their environments, how to deal with them on a much larger scale. How to ki- she fucking she uses a flashlight to s- communicate with fireflies, I think. Well, that's convenient and stupid. But yeah, uh, so when she like first ends up with a group, uh, they're all like kind of getting together and and they're all kind of like, just talking, whatever, just seeing what's up. And one dude, like the one, like the one like fucking bully dude there, immediately says, "I'm in charge." And then someone's like, "Hey, what about like this person actually knows stuff about bugs and like surviving in wilderness or whatever?" And he just threatens to kill her. And says, I'm in charge. Then they go off. He gets like most of the group killed. Uh, and still thinks him being in charge is a good idea. Um, when a insect takes uh, bug girl's best friend and off into the distance, uh, he's like, nah, she's dead. Fuck it. Forget about her. And then when he sees his buddy, he then immediately starts screaming and running after him. Because, you know, he's an idiot. He he and one other bitch constantly try to fuck over our main character. 
just for their own benefit, only to end up getting fucked. Uh, at one point, we meet a teacher who has a one student who's like a. The student has like a weird, obsessive relationship with this teacher, like to the point of almost deifying her. Oh goody! Yeah, that teacher. The teacher gets uh, just killed by spiders. Like he, like she gets tied. She gets tied up in a web, and the spider starts running. And as she is trying to like free herself, the web starts pulling tighter and tighter, and then she just gets fucking torn to shreds. So that student takes the teacher's hand, puts it in Bug Girl's backpack, and tries to get the scent of blood to dry insects to kill her. Unfortunately for her, her backpack is waterproof. Yeah, so that girl dies. Bully dies. Bitch survives. Uh, one of our more likable characters dies. Um, we end up meeting a, like, like Coast Guard search and rescue crew who who arrived to the island. Uh, their boat is killed by a giant centipede that then fights a different giant centipede in the mountains, almost killing everyone. This is kind of a mess. Just yeah, going to, sounds like it. We're going to throw as many bugs in here as we can. Occasionally some tits. Uh, everybody's an asshole except for like two people. And let's roll. It seriously like. I like I said, we were both disappointed in how it ends, but just your descriptions, like I would rather just reread Cage of Eden. Yeah, I think I did try rereading it not too long ago. Like that beginning bit still holds up. Yeah, no, and even the middle mostly holds up. It's just the ending so shits the bed. <laughs> yeah. Fuck, man. <sighs> yeah, that's it for what I got. Uh, no news this week, really. Except that, uh, hey, Silver Spoon is coming back, y'all. Uh, it came back. More recent issue just came out. Oh. So it was coming back on the 23rd. I read a new issue already. Oh, well, yeah, it's back. Uh, this is after the previous hiatus, which lasted about a year after three chapters were released, coming back from a different hiatus. We're not quite to one and one punch man levels of hiatus yet with this series, but we're getting close. Yeah, and at least this series has the like has the like decency to announce when they're going on hiatus and not just stop. Yeah. God, that series needs a fucking better release schedule. God damn it. They're getting to the good bits, finally. Garo's fighting the fucking weird demon dog thing. Yep. It looks so fucking good. And then Garo's going to fucking really unleash his limiter and fucking fight Saitama. And Saitama is just going to destroy him. But we're going to be and wait. You got to wait until fucking 2025 to see that. Yeah. Because fuck me. Anyway. That's going to do it for this week. Thank y'all for joining us. We'll be back at some point. It's another episode of the DeathStoreProds.com and a Manga Podcast. In between now and then, though, we got shit coming out. I don't know. Then I'm dead. And I'm Birdie. See you guys next time. <laughs>